By a show of hands, how many of you in the last 14 weeks put together a puzzle? Raise your hands. Uh, be, don't be proud. That's be good. That's good. All right. Uh, how many of you completed a 100-piece puzzle? 100-piece, okay. 300-piece? Uh, a 500-piece puzzle? Uh-oh, we're getting up there now. A 1,000-piece puzzle? Oh, all right. 2,000-piece puzzle? Any, uh, we've got one, two, okay, couple. Anything, 2,500-piece puzzle? Anybody else? No? No? Okay, good. I, it is funny because we got so tired of, you did not, put your hand down. You live in my house, sit down. You cause more trouble with the puzzle people than any good. So, uh, like, it's funny to me that we, we all escaped from putting, from watching Netflix to putting something together that looks like a television. Like, we put together puzzles with images on them because we got tired of watching moving images over and over. But that's besides the point. Uh, my family was doing a 2,000-piece puzzle, and I actually got tired of the 2,000-piece puzzle we were working on. It just wasn't coming together. So I did this thing where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do an easy 300-piece puzzle and not have any issues. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to feel good and accomplished and relaxed because I finished this 300-piece puzzle. Well, I did this thing. I said, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to reach into this. We, we got this like multi-box puzzle bags. And so you've got a couple of different size puzzles in there. And I knew I was going to be grabbing between some of the 300-piece puzzle pa pa packs. And I did not look at the cover of the puzzle. Like I was challenging myself. It's 300 pieces. No big deal. I reach in. I grab the 300-piece puzzle. I set it down. And I'm killing it, y'all. I don't even know what I'm putting together, but I got the borders down. The border was easy, right? The border was the simple thing. <sighs> that was about the only thing that was simple about that 300-piece puzzle. I thought I knew I can do a 300-piece puzzle without having any clue what the picture is that I'm putting together. It was super frustrating. Um, my cat, we have a cat now, even jumped up onto the table, stood on the stuff that I had already finished, and when I came around a corner, did that thing where they go, feet don't fail me now, oy, 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 oy. and then they spread it all over on the floor, and I was like, I hate that animal right now. Um, but as I sat through the, the whole puzzle, I thought I knew what I was looking at. I thought I had a good idea what the final product was going to look like. And unfortunately, because I thought I knew what I was putting together, I was actually putting pieces like, I thought that was a sky. That's not sky, that's water. Ah, I thought I had those areas. That's, that's not a cow, that's a, that's a deer? I didn't even know that. Like, I'm putting these things together. I'm trying to fill in the gaps based on what I'm concluding from the little pieces that I had. It was a frustrating experience. It was not relaxing, nor did I feel successful. But I was proud and stubborn. I wasn't going to look at the finished project. I got asked several times, why are you doing this? And I said, I didn't really have an answer, but I was not going to give in and look at the completed puzzle. I had been doing it my own way, and I was going to finish it. Now, if you want to know, I did finish the puzzle. It did not take me 30 minutes. It took several days. Me being taunted by this incomplete puzzle, walking by it, 
being frustrated by it, looking at it, going, I am never going to figure this out. And, oh yeah, as I finished it, I was missing a piece. Thanks, 2020. Am I right? Right? Thanks, 2020. Okay, whatever. What happens when you don't have a full picture? Not just with puzzles, but with life. Job decisions, interviews for potential positions, education decisions, friendships, relationships, all of these things. When you don't have the full picture, what do you do? You tend to fill in the gaps, right? Oh, this is kind of what I'm feeling. This is what I think I know. I'll just kind of fill in the gaps as we go. But what about when your relationship with God? How many of you are walking without a full picture of who God is, what God's done, and what that means for you and me? How many of you are floating along, content, not really having any clue about what God is like, what he requires, his life, his death, purpose, existence? All these giant, life-changing thoughts that we have to wrestle with, we're content with kind of floating through, going, I don't know, I'm just going to kind of fill in the gaps with what I feel. What if you've come to conclusions that are incorrect? What if you have filled in the gaps with incorrect thoughts about who God is, what he's done, his life, death, and resurrection? What if the gaps you have filled in are not what God has revealed in Scripture, but because you're just kind of content floating along, you don't have the complete picture Paul's prayer for the Colossian church in our passage this morning deals with the gaps. My prayer for us this morning is, while there is still a lot of mystery to God, I believe that he has chosen to reveal more than enough for us to know who he is and what he's done. He's chosen to. I don't have to go digging and wondering and trying to find all these things. He's saying, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know enough about who I am and what I've done that will actually change things in the way you live your life. Paul has chosen to announce that God has revealed his will to his people in a full way. Can you um, play the video so that we can just hear the scripture? A reading from Colossians 1, 9 through 14. So we have stopped, not stopped, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. The way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your eyes will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you grow and learn to know God better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 
Verse 9 says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, part of my responsibility as a pastor is to sit with people as they have questions about the direction of their life. I love this part of my role. I love to hear what, how God has brought people from here to here, the hard, the, the difficult, the good, and how God has used those things to transform people's lives. Many of the questions that I ponder with people are questions about God's hidden will. What should I do next? Where should I go? Should I take the job? Should I marry the person? Should I move? Should I say something? What does God want me to do with my life? How do I know? If you've ever said, I just wish God would drop a roadmap down in front of my face, like Mario on the hunt for Princess Peach, like if that's what you've said, then you've wondered about the hidden will of God. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of what we do. It's like, okay, if God's in control, then how do I walk and what do I do? I want you to know this is not what, God, what, what Paul is talking about in this passage. Should we talk about those decisions? Yes. Should we talk about next steps? Yes. Should we talk and ask that God would reveal the next steps for our lives? Yes, we should. But this is not the will that Paul is speaking of in this passage. I am sure that Paul would want the people in, Col in Colossae to, to, to ask God, God, show us what to do. I am sure of that. But this, this, this will, obviously, for you and I, when we struggle and don't know all the gaps that God may be wanting to fill in, we start filling in gaps. I'm not sure if you guys have seen these, but when we try and complete puzzles on our own or on our own understanding, uh, we get the complete the picture effect going. Have you guys seen this one, the, the complete the drawing effect? Like you're given the back half of the horse, now you're supposed to add on to it. And this is, this is what we end up doing. This is us. This is, this is me, at least. I'm not an artist, but that is, this is floating around on the internet. But there's another one that's even better. It's uh, draw a duck and share your work. Have you guys seen this one too? All right, so this is it. They give you the little format, this thing right here. Draw a duck and share your art, all right? And so the internet has gone nuts with this. So the, you got the smart Alex who fill it out this way. Draw a duck and share your art, all right? So they didn't even use the pieces that they were given. I love this next one. This, one, this next one's really good. <laughs> this is how we fill in the gaps, right? This next one you're gonna love. Because again, the internet went crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then this last one's just for kicks, because, I mean, the Terminator duck, it, I'll be quack, right? You know, that's the, but that's how we do things, right? We are people who like to fill in the gaps. And what the church at Colossae would try and do, Paul is trying to help them understand God has actually filled in the gap, and it's Jesus to fill in the gap is to add to something that is needed to make it complete, right? Like the reason we want the gaps filled is because somehow we feel like if the more I have to go on, the more complete I feel. I need one more card to complete the series. I need one more mug to complete my set, right? Like we feel this idea of like, well, if I can get it filled in, then I can be complete. Paul is actually going to reference this throughout the letter. The church was going to be confronted with strict rule followers, Jewish background, and experience hunters, which we talked about last week, the cult and pagan backgrounds that were all about working yourself into a frenzy to feel the presence of God. And this would, Paul would actually walk with the Christian community to say there, 
of these two opinions, you will not experience God more full. The beauty of what Christ has done is that there is no human philosophy and thinking, no rituals, no denying of self, no hidden knowledge that is going to change your experience in your Christian journey. Paul is saying the real life and hope and peace and wholeness we are hoping for is not hidden. It is now being announced. God's will has been revealed. And what Paul is pointing to by asking for complete knowledge of God's will is that the church had access to the scripture and the apostles' teaching. I don't know if you knew this, but when Paul wrote this letter, the church did not have access to the New Testament. They had the Old Testament scriptures and they had the apostles' teaching of how Jesus fulfilled the promises God made in the Old Testament. What the church would be leaning on was the Old Testament promises that God made. That's who we need to be. We walk because he promised. And then the apostles revealed Jesus fulfills these promises. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. And you want to see that fully revealed? You have to look at Jesus. What has God done? Look at Jesus. What will my life look like? Look at Jesus. Christ's followers believe that God has revealed himself in three specific ways, through creation. We believe that when you go stand in front of the Grand Canyon and feel tiny and insignificant, that is God going, hey! When you stand at the ocean and you feel afraid because of how overwhelmingly large it is, that's God going, hey! When you look at a sunset and go, I just can't even capture that. I've tried to take a picture and put 80 filters on it and it doesn't do it justice. That's God going, hey! We believe that God reveals that he exists through his creation. We also believe that God reveals who he is through the scripture. We will not have an accurate understanding of who he is if we stay away from his words. But we also believe that God has fully revealed himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ, fully. If you want a full picture of God, you have to look at Jesus. If you're refusing to look at Jesus, there are gaps in your thinking about God. It's as simple as I can put it. If you are avoiding putting yourself before the cross of Christ, there are gaps in your thinking about God. You have an incomplete picture of who he is. Creation, scripture, Christ. Believers see all of those things helping us have a full picture of God's revealed will. The knowledge of what God has revealed about who he is and what he has done is displayed in Christ. But Paul doesn't stop with just knowing something. Paul says that his prayer for the Colossian church includes prayer for spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom isn't like, like oh, I'm just thinking spiritually or I'm becoming some kind of a, uh, an abstract thinker or I'm an artist. I think spiritually. That, that's not what he's talking about here. Paul's actually pointing to our teacher, the Holy Spirit. When we open up the scripture, you and I aren't depending on our own understanding. We are actually dependent upon the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of everything Jesus has said. It's why we approach the scripture different than Harry Potter. It's why we approach this, this scripture different than a C.S. Lewis book. It's why we approach the scripture different than any other piece of literature. It's because we believe that the Holy Spirit is our instructor and he guides us through the scripture, not just to have knowledge about it, but to know how to apply it. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. 
Knowledge is having this, under, this thought process and it's new information. Wisdom is applying that knowledge, understanding why God gave it to us. We've all seen the internet videos, right? And when we see the internet video of somebody doing something stupid, we say, that guy's an idiot. That guy is a fool, right? Because we see them going, oh wait, they should know better than to light that on fire that close. They should, but they don't. Their actions have determined that they are foolish. They have not taken what they know and applied it. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, God's revealed his big plan in Christ, and I am begging the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and understanding so that you will know how to take what we talk about, what we unpack, what we read in the scripture, and you will live it out. This is the plan. God's spirit takes God's word and he applies it to God's people. This is why we need the spiritual wisdom and understanding because sometimes we don't know how to take what we just read about Jesus and put that in our life. We just don't have the smarts on our own. We need his understanding. Paul describes the results, and I want you to see that this is a result of what he prays for. Colossians 1.10 says this, not just a new knowledge about God, he says these words, then when these things, when knowledge, spiritual wisdom, understanding, all these things develop, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Our knowledge of who God is and what God has done is not so that I can have just lots of nice God thoughts. Ah, I've got some good God thoughts going on. That's not why it's been revealed it's not puffed up. It doesn't, if you've read every theology book that's out there and so you can smash anyone in an argument, that's not why it was given. Listen to Paul's words to the Corinthian church who was puffed up on knowledge. He says these things. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue, okay? But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. It's a big statement. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Paul is saying that the power of full thinking leads to full living. When God fills in the gaps, our lives begin to change. When we fill in the gaps... We find ourselves reaching, sometimes with information that's incorrect and leads us in directions we shouldn't go. What we believe about God will determine how we live our lives before him and before our neighbors. And how were we made to live? Paul's words make it very clear. You and I as human beings, not just Christ followers, although the Christ follower is the one who should be reflecting this the most, as human beings, God's plan for humanity was not that we would live to please ourselves and to live for our own and to be preference-driven people. He says that we were made to honor and please the Lord. This isn't me looking back going, oh, you know, he, uh, there's, a, there's this guy and you know, I'm trying to please the boss. No. Do you guys know that when your kids watch you do what you do and then they do the thing that you did, they look up at you and you go, you see me do that? You see me? 
Like, I did that. I made that shot. I made that thing. I jumped off the edge of the pool, into the pool. I did the thing. You look, you see that? Like, this is what it talks about what, as children of God. Like, I long to see God smile at my act of mercy towards my brother. I long to see God's smile at my care for the poor when humility gets to take control and not pride. I love that. That's the desire of a Christ follower is that I might reflect my father. That's what we were made for. Paul says it. He's saying, look, not to please yourself, but to live for and honor the Lord. And according to his prayer, this leads to fruit being produced in our life. And whether or not you know it, you want to bear fruit. You're just trying to do it in your own strength. There's three types of fruit addressed in the scripture. The first, fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know anybody in this room who's like, I hate all of that. I don't want any of that. Now, I'm not very good at it, but I don't want any of it. No, I don't hear that. We all long for those things because we were made in the image of God to reflect those things. But because of sin, we're just incapable of it on our own. Second kind of fruit is the fruit of good works. Like, I don't know too many people who are like, I want to do terrible things. I just want to do terrible things. Now, you may be looking at your small children right now and going, <laughs> no, but the point is, I don't know too many people who wake up in the morning and go, I just cannot wait to do terrible things. Obviously, our choices and our decisions can lead us down and drift us into a world that we never meant to go to, but most people long to do good works. I mean, good grief. You look at social media, you'd think everybody's a saint these days, right? <laughs> right? Everybody's a saint. Everybody can know, do no wrong on their social media page, but everyone else can, right? Like, we all want to. And Paul's saying that a result of this walk with the Lord produces that kind of fruit. But Paul also, there is another fruit that is described in Scripture, and it is the fruit of people. People will come to know the Lord because you walk with him. That's his desire. His desire is that there would be more people who would know him. That's the plan, right? Paul says his prayer, very clear. You'll bear fruit all the while. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Some of you just want information about God, but the truth is we were made to know him better and better. Consider when Adam and Eve lived in full knowledge of who God is. Genesis 1 and 2 is really hard for us to process, but it's how we were made to walk. We were made to walk in relationship with God, that God provides, God cares, God protects, God gives purpose. All the gaps were filled, right? They got to see God and know that he could do all of these things. And they walked with him in that way, came from relationship. They knew him. And it was when the enemy steps in and he caused fear of the unknown, didn't he? God's holding out on you, isn't he? If you'll just eat of that tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, you will know what God knows. So Adam and Eve are like, oh, he's holding out on us. Oh, how, how's this, how's this going to work? We don't, we won't, we, we'll know what he knows. That'll be better for us. And when they filled in the gaps with their own wisdom and their own understanding, rather than doing what they knew to be true, their decision unraveled all the other knowns that they walked in. Their decision to walk in their own wisdom unraveled all the other knowns that they were walking by. 
they were going to begin to have to walk by faith, not by sight anymore. They rejected God's revealed will for their lives, and sadly, we have followed suit. When we are walking in unknown territory, human natures, we want to fill in the gaps. But it's been God's word, a constant invitation through his word to reveal that the gap has been filled. The gap between God and a sinful man has been filled in Christ. And when we figure that out, the revealed will of God, all of the other areas in our lives will find themselves strengthened and upheld. But without the gap between God and man being bridged, our attempts to cross over those gaps remain faulty and unreliable. Paul then prays for a strengthening to happen to the church, again, by God's strength, not our own, so that they can endure and have patience, right? And why do we need those things? How many of you have heard in the last 14 weeks the voice, just give up? I hear it regularly. It's a voice that is very loud in the city. It is a voice that is very loud in the lives of believers. It's the voice that is very loud in the lives of people who don't have a frame of reference with God. The voice of just give up. Why do we need endurance? Because that's what we're faced with. Just give it up. The enemy's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you to give up. He wants you to set down what relationship with God. He wants you to set down all the things that you know that God has said and give up. Why do you need endurance? Because we hear the voice give up. But why do we need patience? Because we also hear the voice just do it, right? Take control. You're suffering. You've got questions. You've got thoughts. Fill in the gaps on your own, right? So we hear just give up and we hear just do it. Why do you need endurance? Why do you need patience? Because these are the voices that fill our heads. Just quit, set it down, forget about it. Or, you know what? I'm gonna take control and I'm just gonna get it done. You and I need the Holy Spirit to strengthen us so that we will endure when we need to endure and we will be patient when we need to wait on the Lord. We are people who fill in the gaps And many times we fill it in our own strength and it leads to our results. Paul says these things in verse 12. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins Paul manages to reveal the will of God, the fuel to transform us, and the source of our joy in a few sentences. This passage that we're reading this morning is one long run-on sentence in the original language. It would have made Paul's English teacher's heads explode, okay? But he reveals, and he points to, and he opens up in a few sentences the revealed will of God. Paul's words point us backwards to what has been done. He says, enabled, When there's an ED at the end of a word, right? Enabled, rescued, transferred, purchased, forgave. There's no D on that one, forgaved. But in no way does Paul indicate to the church that if she has joy and acts thankful, then those things will happen. He says that she can have joy and be thankful because they have happened. When I sit down with my kids, and I try and think through how do I teach them to be thankful, 
I don't ask them to be thankful before they're given something. I don't. If I'm, if they, when they were young and they were growing, I would tell them, hey, you gotta remember, say thank you when you're handed whatever it is you're handed. And when they were handed something and they started to run off, I'd be like, ah, what, ah, but, but, but what do you say? Thank you, right? I think this is part of our story. Like in my own times, I know when I have struggled, I've looked back on my own personal subjective experience of I'm gonna find security in being a child of God based on I remember when I prayed a prayer. I remember when I prayed a prayer. Well, I actually prayed it a billion times because I never thought the first one took, right? Many of you in the same, you know, you know you, like, did you do that? Or maybe I'm the only one. But you're like, Lord, I don't know if you forgave me and I don't know if you came into my life, so I'm gonna pray it again tonight. Hopefully this will be the one that takes. Hopefully this will be the one that sticks because man, I really screwed up today, but I really need you to forgive. Like, we've all prayed the prayer a thousand times, right? We all look back to those moments and sometimes there's a billion of them. And which one was the one when I gave my life to Christ? When did I do it? I don't no. See, this is the difference. This is what Paul is actually trying to get us to think differently about. See, there is something about the objective and subjective aspects of our salvation. What I mean by that is there is an objective truth Christians adhere to. God sent his son, he lived a sinless life, he died a sinner's death, and he rose from the dead. Those things happened in history. I need you to know that's what we need in this moment right now. See, there are a lot of times, but we also understand our subjective experience, meaning, and if you don't know what objective is, objective is, it's a truth that exists regardless whether or not I believe it, okay? That's objective. Subjective is, I don't really feel like what you're saying is true. My experience says differently, and I'm telling you, we are a culture addicted to that. I don't feel it. The beauty of this invitation that Paul is inviting the church to is to, yes, look back on your history but go back further than your story. Go all the way back to the point in time when God revealed his full will by sending his son to die on the cross. When I don't feel very Christian, I need to understand what a Christ follower is. It's one who's put his trust in that objective truth of the cross of Christ. He did it. He finished it. And even though I don't feel Christian today, I understand that what God did is not a feeling. It happened in history. It marks us. Now, I'm not trying to minimize my response at all. Mark 1.15, listen to Jesus' words. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So yes, for all of us, we need to come to a place in our stories where we hear what God has announced and I choose to put down the things that I've believed about God and I let God inform those things about himself. God, I believe you. I receive your grace because without it, there is no salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. As we close this morning and as we consider where do we go from here, I do believe that what we know about God leads us to knowing God more, and this is our joy. Paul concludes the prayer, this, this visual with the church, 
and says that he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Paul makes it really clear that the Christ follower's joy and thanksgiving is something that has happened and finished. For you and I, knowing that that is done, it changes the way we walk. In 1933, I want you to see this photo. As they were beginning the part of the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, no safety nets were used. 23 men fell to their death on this project. 746 feet above the ocean, 45 mile an hour wind gusts. If you were to fall from that height, you would hit the water at 75 miles an hour. But for the last part of the project, however, a large net, which cost over $100,000, was put underneath those workers. As soon as that net was installed, at least 10 men fell right into it and were saved. They were actually dubbed the Halfway to Hell Club. But what they didn't realize was when those men knew they were safe, their productivity went up 25%. They actually finished the job faster knowing they were safe. See, as Christ followers, you and I have every reason to work, to risk, because the net is there. It's done. You have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, a place that you couldn't rip yourself out of if you tried, and you have been plucked from the enemy's hand and placed into the kingdom of his dear son, who's purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Finished, done. Now as a church, guess what? We get to walk differently, because it's finished. Paul's prayer for the Colossian church is the opening of where he's going to take the rest of this letter. It's not some secret hidden knowledge, more rituals or self-discipline. It's actually a better grasp on what God's already done that frees the church to be who she was made to be. This morning, I have a few questions. Have you believed this good news? Or have you seen the gap between God and humanity filled by your own works? Are you coming up with strange ideas about what God is like that maybe God would like to address himself? Are you more concerned about the hidden will of God than you are celebrating the revealed will of God? And lastly, are you so filled with knowledge about the subject of God, having read books on books about the Bible, about God and Jesus and the church, that you've actually missed the joy of being freed from the kingdom of darkness and transferred, delivered, safe and sound to the kingdom of his dear son? For these reasons, this is why Paul does not stop praying for these people. Father, I ask that in these moments, we would take a good look at our hearts and our lives. And if we are walking with misinformed gaps being filled, if we've let opinions and Google and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram fill our minds about what it means to be a Christ follower, God, would you please show us? 
Show us how good your revealed will is this morning. It's in your name we pray.